Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just Get Fit with Nikki. I'm your host, Nikki, a certified nutrition coach and personal trainer, and today's episode is a little different. Today, I'm going to be talking about my birth story, giving birth to my daughter, and this was simply because this is a topic that has come up so much in terms of me sharing not only my pregnancy and postpartum journey on social media. So lots of questions, lots of things that, you know, people are naturally curious about. I know I was there before I was pregnant as well. And so I wanted to share my story. And as usual, my goal is to always be as open and honest and transparent as possible. I am certainly not here to make anyone feel nervous or scared or anxious about birth, but I will be very open about my experiences. Um, And I will start by saying, overall, I had such a positive experience. I have, you know, no regrets about how things went or anything like that. There's nothing that I would change. And so I start by saying that, even though I will talk about, you know, some of the challenges and things that I experienced during my labor and delivery and all of that. So I want to start by saying that, you know, when it comes to pregnancy and labor and delivery and all that stuff, I think a lot of people are really nervous or anxious about that. And I actually had, you know, girlfriends come over to visit Maya. And that was one of the things that they shared. They're like, I'm really nervous about like that part of this process. And The reality is, I totally hear that. I think that is something that is incredibly normal and a lot of people experience. I can't say that in particular, I was nervous about labor and delivery and pushing and all that stuff. And I think that's just because with my pregnancy and all of that, I was like, don't bother thinking that far ahead. You need to get through, you know, you need to get pregnant and you need to be able to, you know, go through the nine months and then, you know, take it one day at a time. And so for me, although I was not particularly nervous about those things, I am also someone who really likes to focus on what's in my control, whether that be in my personal life, my business life. And I did exactly the same thing with my pregnancy. There are so many things beyond our control. And, you know, my midwives are always like, you know, baby's going to come how they want to come. But I promise you're not going to miss your own birth, like giving birth to a child. You're not going to miss it. It's going to happen. You're going to know, even if you don't know how it's going to go. And and believe me, I did not know. There were points when I was Googling, like, what do contractions feel like? Like, what am I supposed to be experiencing? Because as much as people can tell you things and help you prepare, if you've never experienced these things before, you're kind of like, is, is this it? Like, or is that it? Or what, what should it feel like? And so now that I have gone through this, I will say overall, the experience is just really, it's going to be what it is. And I am going to try not to cry in this episode, but I feel like talking about your birth story and, and retelling it is an emotional thing, whether it was a positive experience, whether it was a challenging experience or, or whether you are left feeling perhaps a bit traumatized or even like you have regrets about it. And and I do say that because that was something that people shared with me prior to giving birth. I had friends tell me that, you know, how their birth went was not at all how they wanted it. And they were, you know, it took some time, almost weeks or months for them to get over how things went. So I do say that not to scare anyone who hasn't had a, a baby yet, but because I think it is helpful to know that and to mentally prepare for that. And so perhaps it's because I'm older. I am 36 turning 37 and well, I'll probably be 37 by the time this episode comes out. But realistically, knowing that there's only so much in your control mentally was very helpful for me because I think I tend to be that person and that personality that's like, all right, let's make this plan. Let's execute this plan. Let's have every, everything go according to plan. And unfortunately, that is not what having a baby <laughs> or labor or delivery or pushing is like for many people. And that is normal. And I really do want to normalize that. So 
For me, before I get into the actual birth story, I wanted to talk about things that did help me um, leading up to that. And that was really, like I said, focusing on what's in my control, having a team that supported me, which meant for me personally, I opted to have midwives based on um, recommendations from friends. And I went to the actual place that they went to as well um, when it came to the midwives. So I had a team of five midwives and two student midwives. And it's not that I necessarily had seven people helping me, but because, you know, they only take on so many patients, you end up getting to know all of them. So no matter when you deliver, you will know who is coming to help you, which is a very calming thing. Because my experience with my midwives, they were people who made me feel incredibly safe. Like I could ask anything. There were no silly questions. They always checked on not only my physical health, but my mental and emotional health. We talked about, you know, postpartum depression, anxiety, well before I delivered, right? And and to kind of assess how I was doing and what I might be able to do to set myself up for success in anticipation of delivering and how I might feel after. And so I think having medical professionals who you feel support and safe with is really a huge part of this. And for me, you know, getting to have so many appointments with my midwives um, towards the end, it was every single week. Uh, and we would have 45 minute to one hour appointments where they check on me, they check on baby, they go over questions, we go over birth plan stuff. And, you know, empowering me with knowledge and information was so helpful. And in addition to that, one piece of advice uh, my husband got from a lot of his friends was hire a doula. And I didn't know what a doula was. If I'm being completely honest, I was like, I have no idea what that is. So if you don't know, you are not alone. But doulas are different than midwives. Midwives are the people who are going to help you deliver. They're going to, you know, do your medical checkups. They're going to take your blood pressure. They're going to check on baby, check on baby heart rate, all those things. A doula is someone who is going to help you with the emotional and, and physical in many ways aspect of birth and leading up to birth and even the postpartum aspect of it. And, you know, different midwives offer different or different doulas offer different services, but essentially what they're there to do is to really help you feel as prepared as you can for during the birthing labor delivery process to help with your uh, physical you know, well-being, your pain management, your emotional well-being, if you are feeling scared or anxious. And even just talking about that, I can feel myself getting emotional because, you know, I'll share more about this as I get started, but birth is not always something that is easy to go through. And I definitely had some unexpected things happen leading up to my delivery. And this is the part of it where, you know, I would, we sat down with my doula, we met her numerous times throughout our pregnant or my pregnancy. Um, and she helped us make a birth plan based on, you know, in theory, how I would like it to go, where I want to labor. Do I want to go into labor and then immediately go to the hospital? Do I want to be at home? Do I want to, you know, be in the bath? Do I want to, you know, have a TENS machine? Do I want medication or an epidural? All these things. And it's not that when you make this plan, you are going to be really rigid and stick to it 100%. But it's more about knowing your options. And the more you know about your options, the easier it is, I think, to feel like you have a say in this process. And I think so often, what I've heard from people, whether it was their first pregnancy, or, you know, they were perhaps not with the care provider that they thought they would be with is that they often felt like it happened to them, like birth and delivery happened to them versus them actively getting to have a say in how things would go. And I know that even for the hospital I delivered at, which I had a wonderful experience, the cesarean section rate is higher than it necessarily should be. And from my understanding, talking with my doula is that you know, once you've been at the hospital for a while, there's often, and it's not every hospital, but there's often this pressure to, you know, help you move along in terms of speeding up your labor, getting things going, having baby come out. And so sometimes suggestions can be made as to, okay, well, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should induce you. Maybe you should, you know, have a C-section and being able to have someone advocate for you and even make suggestions to, oh, just so you know, 
this is what happens if you do this, this is what happens if you don't do this, and giving you a little bit more knowledge and understanding can be really, really helpful because I'd never given birth. I didn't know what my options are. I didn't know it's normal. I mean, I'm Googling what contractions feel like, so I sure as heck don't know what a normal contraction or length is. And so that's where my doula really came in handy in addition to the emotional support leading up to birth. And so that's kind of where I think it was so worth it. If you have never given birth or if you have and you didn't have a most positive experience um, the first time, I highly, highly, highly recommend looking into doulas. Um, we interviewed two, the second one we fell in love with, and it was one of the best decisions we made. And I know they can be an investment. The prices do range depending on, you know, the number of births they've attended or how long they've been doing it. But I will say there are a lot of doulas that also offer, um, support in the hospital, like complimentary, meaning if you did not have the money our midwives shared that there are resources for people who want that support, not necessarily in the weeks leading up to it, but at the time of your birth and delivery that someone could come in and support you. And so that would be completely complimentary because that is something that they do offer. And, you know, if you, so matter, no matter what your price range or anything like that, even if it is not in the budget, know that that is a service that is available, at least here in Canada. Um, so that being said, I'm diving into the actual birth labor process. And so for me, I was due, baby was not coming out and she ended up being quite overdue. So by the time I delivered, she was 13 weeks past her due date. And so here, what we normally do is you have a say in terms of if you want to be induced, they will do that once you are, I believe it's 10 days past your due date. Please don't quote me on all these things and go to your medical provider. But from what I can remember, that's what I was told. And so I personally did not want to be induced. I was like, baby will come when she's ready. There's probably a reason why she doesn't come. And especially as a first time mom, um, there are a lot of reasons or, you know, a lot of it's very common for you not to deliver until past your due date. So a lot of people do deliver in that 10 days uh, past your due date area. So I was like, you know what, it's fine. I can wait. Even though I mentally and emotionally did not feel like I could wait, I was angry, I was frustrated, I was uncomfortable, I wasn't sleeping, and those were the feels. It's not that I was <laughs> happily waiting for baby to come out. My husband was like, ooh, that was real rough. The last month was real rough, Nike. And I was like, I am so sorry for all the things that I did and said when I was very pregnant and overdue, I was not happy. And I'm not someone who enjoyed pregnancy whatsoever. You can feel very blessed to be pregnant without enjoying the process. So if any of you feel like that, I hear you. And so when it comes to being overdue, what they do here, at least in Vancouver, is they tend to have you go into the hospital for NSTs. So those are basically you go in and you have an ultrasound to check on baby, to check on fluid levels around baby, and to have your heart rate monitored and baby's heart rate monitored and see if you're having contractions or anything like that. So two different, uh, not procedures, but uh, checks basically. And so I'd gone for a couple of those leading up to, you know, being, leading up to baby coming. And actually the week and a half before she came, I'd actually gone to the hospital twice at around midnight or one or 2am after speaking to my midwives, because in the first scenario, I was leaking a lot of fluid. And it had like a weird kind of tinge to it. And we weren't sure if it was, you know, amniotic fluid or anything like that. So they're like, you know what, just come in, we'll do tests, we'll make sure uh, we're checking what's going on, see if baby's okay. And based on that, we'll make decisions. And so two different times I went to the hospital at night where they checked me out, everything was okay. And so we just ended up waiting and doing these hospital visits to check on me and check on baby. And so I think it was my third or fourth, you know, scheduled hospital visit where I was going in for these tests where they did the ultrasound and halfway through the ultrasound, the ultrasound check was like, uh, I'm just gonna go have someone look at this. And that's when you're like, cool, cool, cool. All right. That's making me feel a bit nervous. And so basically she came back and said, 
the fluid levels around baby are quite low, lower than we would want. And so she's like, I'm going to get, you know, my doctor to call your midwives and have a chat with you and do all that kind of stuff. And so basically what it ended up happening is they suggested that I be admitted. And I talked to an OB. So they come in, your midwives come in and you make a decision based on how you're doing. And I was really nervous about being admitted to the hospital. And so when I talked to the OB, she said, you know, it's totally up to you, but based on what we know about pregnancy and babies and fluid levels, she's like, we know too much kind of to send you home at this point. And she's like, so we really do recommend you be admitted and that we induce you because you are quite overdue and baby is doing okay in there, but the amount of fluid around her is lower than ideally we would want in order for you to like go home and wait this out. And so I'm not going to lie. I was really emotionally upset about that. It's like, yes, I want her out, (laughs) but also to be perfectly honest, I hadn't thought about having to be induced at all. When we talked about you know, my birth plan, we talked about what things would go like. Induction, honestly, never occurred to me. It never occurred to me that I would not naturally go into labor, you know, have my water break or not break and and have contractions and do all those things. For me, I was really thinking about like, okay, like, how will I manage the pain? Will I need an epidural? Will I need a C-section? What's going to happen? And that's what I was focused on. So the fact that I had to be induced really upset me. And I did end up calling my doula and crying on the phone and talking it through with her. And, you know, she, even before we made the decision for me to be admitted, she texted back and forth with me and was so helpful because she was someone who's like, look, Nikki, like, here's some questions you can ask in order to make a decision that feels good to you. She's like, at the end of the day, it's your choice and I will support you, but I want you to feel safe. I want you to feel that baby's doing well and taking care of and all these things. And so asking all those questions at the hospital did help me to make that decision that being admitted to the hospital and being induced was the right option for baby and for me, even though it's not what I wanted, right? It was more of that point of, okay, well, here we are. Like I've said before, you know, we only have so much say in how baby is going to come into this world. You know, your birth story does not tell anything about you. It just tells how baby got here. It doesn't make you less of a mom. It doesn't make you weak or less strong or not as resilient. None of those things. Baby decides how they're going to come. And so, you know, if you are worried once again, come back to focusing on what is in your control. And this was one of those things that was not in my control. And so I, as upset I was, as I resigned myself to the situation and, you know, hubby went home, got my hospital bag, picked up some Uber Eats for us because I knew it was going to be a while and I didn't want to eat hospital hospital food for too long. So we did all those things. And for me, what they ended up doing is they gave me Cervidal. And so Cervidal looks like this old shoelace that you have found somewhere that has medicine in it. And they basically insert this into you to help your, um, you know, cervix soften and everything, and then hopefully dilate. And so what I was told was that Cervidal works very differently for everyone in terms of how people experience things. So they tend to put it in for a 24 hour period of time. In that period of time, some people experience nothing. They don't have any pain. They don't have any contractions. They have nothing. They just put it in cervix, you know, gets softer and squishier and does all that stuff. And then they check you after the 24 hours. She said sometimes people get back contractions or they actually fully dilate and, you know, go into labor naturally. She says sometimes people need two or three doses of the Cervidel and then they end up using Pitocin or Oxytocin, depending on where you're from. It's the same thing. We just call it different things. Um, But you need that to then further your, you know, laboring process and to actually give birth. And so she's like, you know what? It's really everyone's body's different. So it's just going to do what it does and we will have to wait and see. And so they put the cervical in six o'clock, I think it was Tuesday night and nothing. I ate my Uber Eats. They moved me up to my hospital room. We hung out. We went to sleep. They did lots of checks on me, checked my heart rate, blood pressure, all those things throughout the night. And then at about 5 a.m. I woke up and was like, whew, like feeling some things. And 
once again, as someone who'd never had contractions and had to Google what contractions felt like, I was like, okay, like these are kind of feeling like really intense period cramps. And they started getting worse and worse. And I was like, Vitaly, we need to call the doula because I need some help because this pain is becoming more unmanageable. And what our doula had said is she had a TENS machine, which if you've ever been to physio and they put those little stickies on, you know, your back or your knee or your arm or whatever, and they call it like stim, it stimulates, it kind of feels like pins and needles. She brought one one of those machines. And what they do is they stick things uh, on your back and that can help you to be distracted during those contractions and like It works surprisingly well. (laughs) You're kind of like, really that? But I think the way she described is our brain can only focus on so many things at once. And so that distraction really does help to take away from that overwhelming feeling of pain. And so she brought those in, put it in. She's like, every time you have a contraction, turn it on. If you need more, increase the the pins and needles feeling, and then you can turn it off when it passes. And so she came in maybe 30 minutes after we called her I put it on, I was using it and it was getting worse and worse. And the pain was unbelievable. And I, once again, I don't say this to scare anyone, but because that was my personal experience. So almost by 12 hours later, after they put it in, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I literally, I feel like I'm like going to pass out. It hurts so much. This is the worst pain I've had in my entire life. And, uh, basically what she did was she's like, okay, let's keep track of how long these are and how often they're happening. And I was having these contractions for about, or what feels like contractions for about eight to 10 minutes each with about a minute rest in between. And she's like, they really should not be this long. Um, so what they did was they did an exam to check my cervix and see if things were dilated. And I wasn't at all like my cervix wasn't even like ready yet. And so She's like, based on this, she's like, I really think that, you know, you should opt for some morphine and gravel. And I didn't want that. And the thing was, I also knew that based on my exam, I was not anywhere I needed to be. Like I had a long way to go. And so I was like, okay, okay, here we go. (laughs) One other thing that I did not necessarily want, but I'm going to embrace because this is what I need to do. And this is what I need to have in order for some relief. And the whole point of that was to be able to get some rest, hopefully sleep for a little bit, or at least minimize the intensity. And she's like, once again, everyone takes to the morphine and gravel very differently. Some people don't get to rest at all. For some people, it only helps a little bit. For me, it helped so much. And I'm a very lightweight when it comes to like wine or anything like that. So I don't know if it's my, my tolerance was already low to begin with. And then having not drank for nine months, it was even lower. But I was like, wow, I have zero pain. I feel very sleepy. And I basically slept for on and off for like, I think it was eight or 10 hours. And it's like, oh, okay, great. I feel like a new human. That was probably the best sleep I'd had in weeks and weeks and weeks because being pregnant, I slept terribly the last six weeks literally waking at three or four every day and not always going back to sleep. So it was like, wow, I feel like a new human. And so they're like, okay, great. Like at six o'clock tonight, we will have a look, do an exam, see if you need more Cervidal, which we think you will, and then go from there. And so we ordered dinner for that to be ready. You know, back in a room, we came back um, from getting checked out and getting new Cervidal. And then they took us you know, hubby and I went and we had a nurse, you know, take up the Cervidal and basically an OB came to do a check on me and was like, yep, you are not there yet. So we probably need to put some more in because your cervix is just a bit squishy, but it's, it's not quite there yet. And that's six o'clock. So let's do that. And then we will reassess. And I was like, cool, let's do it. So that's what they did. And I want to say within 30 to 60 minutes of them putting the new cervidal in, I was like, oh my gosh, like, oh my God, this pain is like starting to come back. And I was really, really struggling. So we had the TENS machine back on. I'm trying to manage the pain. We ended up calling our doula back in because I was like, 
things are like very real and I, I don't know what to do. This tens machine is not helping in the way it did before. And so she's like, okay, she came back in. And I got to a point when I was like, I don't think this thing is doing anything. And literally she's like, okay, well, like, let's just take it off then. And so I thought I had turned the machine off, which was, you know, helping with my pain management. And I hadn't and actually did turn it off because I was standing trying to like, you know, move or, or at least just be in a different position. And I almost collapsed on the floor. I was like, okay, kidding. The machine is doing something. It's not doing a lot, but it is doing more than I thought it was. But that is literally how painful it was. I almost like could not stand. I had to like hold on to the bed. And so I got to a point when I was like, I need, I need this thing to come out. I, I told my husband, I was like, I feel like I'm dying. Like, I know that sounds very dramatic, but it is truly how I felt at the time. And so he asked one of the nurses, he's like, Hey, like, can we get this taken out? Like she's has a really high threshold for pain. And she thinks she's dying. Obviously I was not, I was fine. I was being monitored. My heart rate is okay. My blood pressure is okay. But the pain level was incredible. And as someone who'd never given birth, I was also like, if labor and delivery is more painful than this, I was like, you're just going to have to cut this baby out of me. Like you're going to have to take me in for a C-section because there's no way I can endure more than this. Like I'm, I'm at my limit. And at first, you know, the OB and nurses come back and they're like, well, you know, the whole point of you being here is for us to induce you. So like, we don't necessarily want, like, we don't necessarily think you should take this out. And this is where my doula and my husband were both advocating for me because I was getting to a point where I couldn't even speak. The pain was so bad. And so they're like, okay, fine. Like, we'll take it out. He's like, just take it out, take it out, take it out for like a couple hours. And I was like, I just need a break. Like, I need a break. I cannot do this. And so they did take it out probably around like 830 or so. So I'd had it in for like two and a half hours. Maybe it came in at 830 or nine, but I was like, oh my gosh. And so I'm still having cramps or potentially what feels like contractions. And I am no longer using the TENS machine because I'm just like, it's not really helping. So we tried air and gas, which is where they give you that straw thing you're breathing. I can't remember what the, the name of the gas is called, but you, you know, suck it in through the straw. It's supposed to help you manage the pain. And honestly, it made me super nauseous and lightheaded. And I was like, nope, that is not helping. <laughs> that is that in a whole different way. So we got rid of that. And my doula was like, do you want to get into the tub? And I was like, yes, like, let me get into the tub. Some warm water might help. I didn't want to, they offered me more morphine and gravel. And I was like, I am nervous to have morphine and gravel at this point because I was basically out of it for eight to 10 hours to the point where someone would come into the room, try to talk to me and I could hear myself snoring. So you're like conscious, but you can't actually kind of respond. And I'm like, I, I don't need that right now. Like if I actually go into labor, I don't know how I'm going to do anything if that's the state I'm in. And so I was like, let's skip that. And they're like, do you want an epidural? And I was like, no, I don't want an epidural. Like, let me just get in the bath. Let me try to do that. And so I got in the tub and I'm laying there. And every time a contraction comes, I have this urge to flip over and to be on my hands and knees. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm in the tub and on my hands and knees, the doula's in there with me, you know, helping remind me to breathe, you know, those low, deep breaths and the tallies in there doing hip squeezes for me every time a contraction comes. And I am literally on my hands and he's like, I'm like sweating in this tub because I am so hot and working so hard. And it was, I can't imagine what it looks like, but you don't care at that point. You really don't. And just trying to get through it. And what they had done is the nurses had put, um, a heart rate monitor around my stomach to monitor my heart rate and then a separate one to monitor baby's heart rate. And the problem they were having is every time I get up and I roll over in the tub and flip over the band moves and then they can't keep track of, is it my heart rate or is it baby's heart rate? And obviously they really want to make sure that baby is doing okay. And so they're like, Nikki, we need you actually to get out of the tub and not going to lie. I was pretty choked about that. <laughs> so anyways, out of the tub I get, I'm on the bed 
and they offered to do a check to see how far along I am. And by this time it's like, I don't know, nine 30 or something. And I'm like, yeah, just, just do the check or whatever it is. Right. And they're like, okay, so apparently you're seven and a half centimeters dilated, which I was like, what? Like I was not at all anything at six o'clock and not again at eight o'clock. So somehow in, you know, I don't know, an hour and a half, I have gone seven and a half centimeters. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I'm just trying to breathe through the pain, change positions, do all those kinds of things. And basically what my doula had suggested I do to help with the pain was to do horse breathing. And so if you think about you trying to like make the sound a horse does when you like blow or you exhale, so your lips kind of like flutter together when you go the... I can't do it right now. (laughs) My mouth is very dry from talking so much, but it's the, that kind of sound. Um, basically she's like, that's what I want you to do when the contractions come. And I was like, okay, so I'm trying to do that. And I am like, we'd had the bed, the hospital bed, the back rest inclined a little bit. So I am holding on to that leaning over the bed and just trying to like breathe through the pain. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I am so uncomfortable. Um, just, I was like, okay, seven and a half centimeters. And then I'm doing this horse breathing. And, and the funny thing is like, my lips were so dry. I was like, Vitaly, Vitaly, I need you to put lip on my lips. I can't horse breathe. So he's like leaning over me, trying to lip on my lips while I'm trying to like horse breathe. And I'm just like, I feel so silly and so ridiculous. And it's these little moments where you kind of laugh and you kind of smile, but you're just like, oh my gosh, also like help. And so we're doing that. And I had a couple girlfriends who had given birth before and they always told me, they're like, Nikki, you'll know when baby's coming because you feel like you're, you want to poop like that feeling. And I was like, okay. And so guess what that feeling came not long after they'd done my check where they're telling me I'm seven and a half centimeters dilated. And I was like, I need to push. Like I need to push this urge is coming. They're like, no, 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 don't push. Don't push. You can't push it. You're going to hurt yourself if you push. And I was like, well, then someone needs to check something because I cannot help. Like no amount of horse breathing will keep me from pushing. And so they did the check and around 11 o'clock and they're like, oh, haha! apparently you are fully dilated and you can push. And I was like, oh, great. So that escalated really quickly from coming in here at six o'clock to get another round of Cervidel from getting it taken out at around 830 or nine. And then from that going into fully dilated by when I say 1030 or 11. And so that's the point when I was laboring, I still was like, okay, this like is bad but it's not as bad as the cervidal was. And so when it came to, for me, the contractions and the pushing, that was significantly less painful than the cervidal. The cervidal was like 12 out of 10 in terms of pain that I have experienced in my life. Everything else, I was like a seven. Like I didn't have an epidural. I labored with these combs that my doula had for me to put in my hand and horse breathing. And that's it. Those are the things that got me through labor. And I'm not saying this because I think you need to be any kind of champion. It's not that I'm against anyone getting pain management or epidural, anything you need to do what works best for you based on, you know, how you're feeling, how long your labor is, complications, your personal preferences, all those things. But this is just how it went for me where the induction process was way more painful than the actual you know, labor pushing delivery kind of thing. And so I actually heard that from quite a few people who'd also had Cervidal when I shared my story on Instagram and they were just like, yep, Cervidal was the worst part. And I don't say that once again to scare anyone. It got the job done. Baby came out. I didn't need any oxytocin. And so I I would have done the same thing if I had to do it again. Was it fun? No, but it got me to where I needed to be. It got baby girl out safe. And so, you know, that was kind of the the hardest part for me. So after, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half of, you know, contractions uh, and doing some pushing and changing positions and all that stuff, she will basically, they were once again, tracking my heart rate, tracking baby's heart rate. And they were like, we're having a really hard time tracking baby's heart rate. We need you to get on the bed and we need to insert this 
like there's a special thing. I don't know what it's called. We learned about it in our prenatal class, but basically they insert a tiny pin with something at the end of it where it goes into baby's head and they're able to get a very accurate heart reading. And so I was like, okay, great, go for it, right? Like, do I necessarily want that? No. But once again, that is for the well-being of baby to make sure that everything is going okay and that she's not stressed or, you know, having any kind of issues. So I lay down, they stuck a catheter in and involuntarily peeing when they put a catheter in. Whoa, that was weird and interesting and and cool. Not bad at all. Um, but just something I never experienced. And then they stuck the thing in um, baby's head. And once again, didn't feel anything totally fine. And then they're like, okay, great. We can track her heart rate. We can track yours. And we know how things are going. So, you know, just keep laboring at this point. They're going, you know, the contractions and all that stuff and pushing when you feel like you can. And so I was getting lots of help with, okay, push now, Nikki. Okay, breathe now, Nikki, with lots of guidance from my midwives and from the doula. And then they said, okay, Nikki, baby's heart rate. Okay, I'm getting <laughs> emotional about that because I think at the time it was like really scary when they're like, baby's heart rate has dropped. Um, we need to get... Um, the OB in here, we need to get, you know, maybe the NICU team in here, definitely the pediatrician. And, you know, we, we need more people in here just to make sure. And so they're like, we're going to get the OB to bring the vacuum in because if you can't push her out and our heart rate continues to drop, we're going to help you out. And this is the part where I got really scared. And it also why I'm so glad I had my doula because at that moment she walked over, leaned down by my ear and was like, Nikki, I have worked with these OBs before and they are incredible. This is who you would want here. This is who I would want here. If I was in your position, you are in great hands. They're going to do such a good job. They're going to keep you safe. They're going to keep her safe and you're going to be okay. And that was the only time I was really scared. And I was like, okay, okay. These are the people here that I need. And once again, this is not planned. This is not what I wanted, but here we are. And I am as safe as I can be in the hospital with all these people who know what they're doing, who are tracking her heart rate, who are tracking my heart rate. And, you know, okay, let's do it. And so I am at this point on my back, because even though I didn't necessarily want to deliver on my back, that was the position they needed me to be in, in order to watch how things were going and in order um, to have the vacuum available if we needed it. And so I was pushing and I was pushing and they're like, you can do it, you can do it. And every time a contraction comes, push, Nikki, breathe, 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 you're safe, you can do this. And it was, I felt very supported. Every time I had all these cheerleaders, I don't know if there were like 12 or 15 people in my room, but they were all like, you can do this. You're so strong. You're safe. And once again, I say this as someone who had a really positive experience. It's just an emotional thing to share because it is so much to go through. Um, I'm also postpartum. And so there's extra hormones in my system. But, you know, it, it came to the point when... The last four pushes, they're like, okay, Nikki, we're going to use the vacuum to help because her heart rate is dropped and we are getting a little bit worried. And so, okay, let's do it, right? It's not, it's not about me. It's about getting her up safely, making sure she's okay. And so there we go. So I want to say for the last four pushes, maybe 10, 15 minutes or so, they use the vacuum every time I push to help get her out a little and that's exactly what happened. They helped get her out. I had uh, stage two tearing or, and honestly, you don't feel that at all. I know a lot of people worry about tearing. I did not feel it at all. I had a lot of help um, with guidance on when to push, when to not push. And so didn't feel that, didn't feel, I want to say it's not that I didn't feel pain, but it wasn't pain that was debilitating or excruciating or aiding or anything I couldn't manage. Um, for me personally, I know once again, everyone is very different and your labor and delivery and how tired you are and your threshold 
all really impact your ability to manage pain. Um, I think sleeping for eight to 10 hours that day did me wonders. And so when it came to the tearing, didn't notice it. She came out totally fine. It was beautiful when they put her on me right after she came out. Um, she was safe. Her head was okay. No injuries, nothing. She breathed on her own, literally like NICU team or you know, bust in. And they look at her and they're like, they leave. <laughs> they didn't say anything. They didn't even come over and look at her. They're like, she's breathing. She's pink. She's, she's okay. Um, and so basically I requested that, um, we leave the umbilical cord attached for as long as possible. And I wanted time with her on my chest right after. So while I had her on my chest, they stitched up my tear, you know, a little bit of, uh, freezing down there, stitch it up. They helped deliver the placenta. That was actually more work than I thought it was. Um, not much, but definitely more. They were kind of, you know, helping whatever it is and guiding you through that and pushing and stuff. Um, then there's all the wonderful parts about, you know, them pushing on your stomach to get all the extra blood out, which gross, but also interesting and cool and all kinds of things, depending on who you are. Um, and so they do all that and it was wonderful and beautiful. And I'm not someone who actually, when she came out, neither of us cried. <laughs> we were just like, oh, thank God she's out. She's okay. I'm okay. What a relief. And I didn't cry at all that day. So I delivered, well, actually I didn't cry. I did cry later on that day, but not then. And the thing about my doula was she'd asked if I wanted to have pictures taken during the birth process. And I was like, yeah, I definitely do. And this is not just because I, you know, have a social media account. I want to share these things. I'll I will say 99% of the photos no one will ever see, not only because I am butt naked in them, but because they're just something I wanted personally to look back on. And it wasn't until she sent me the photos the next day that I looked at them and I literally just bawled my eyes out because I knew how the story ended in that she came out and was safe and happy and beautiful and all these things. And so I think it was only with that hindsight that I was able to relive the entire, you know, labor delivery process through those photos that I was like, oh my God, like that was so beautiful. And I feel so blessed that that was my experience, even though it was a whole lot of emotions and things that I didn't necessarily want for my birth, but I knew going into it, the pros and cons of things. So I do think that really helped me as well as having my doula there. And I will say the other amazing thing about my doula and doulas in general, is that she really helped Vitaly to support me. So she's like, okay, you know, and I didn't see this, but he told me later, he's like, every time I'd be like, oh, I don't want to be in the way. She, she was behind me, pushing me forward and being like, no, go there, you know, go hold her hand, go do a hip squeeze, go stand by her. You're not in the way. Like she gave me or she gave him a popsicle to give me. And all I can remember is she came over and gave me the first bite and I was like, oh my God, this is the best popsicle I've had in my life. I'm literally once again in that hands and knees position, holding onto the bed, breathing, doing my horse breathing. And she comes over the popsicle and I hadn't had dinner. And I was like, yes, so good. And then she disappeared. And I go, oh no, where'd the popsicle go? <laughs> and so a moment later, Vitaly comes back with a brand new popsicle. And I'm like, in my head, I, obviously I'm trying to breathe through this labor process and contractions. Um... And I'm like, WTF, like, where's the popsicle? Like, why didn't, why are they giving me a new popsicle? I'm like, that's so wasteful in my head. And he gives me a bite. I'm like, great, delicious. I eat the entire thing. But the whole time, just like, where, where did the first one go? I'm pretty sure I had some before. And so later I bring it up because for some reason, this was what was really important and distracting to me. I'm like, what happened to that? And he's like, oh, she put it down. It was in a cup and the cup fell over and it fell on the floor. So she had to get you a new one. She just looked so sad that it fell on the floor though. And I was like, Oh, but for some reason I was just really focused on that. And you know, it's those little things where, you know, she helps you through things, encourages your partner and how to support you, makes you the best damn peanut butter sandwich you've had in your life after delivering a baby. <laughs> and really makes you feel so supported in the process. And so 
you know, that's kind of a overview of how my whole experience went, the highs, the lows, the challenges, but really and truly, you know, when people go like, oh, what would you have done differently? The thing is I wouldn't have done anything differently because everything that was in my control, I focused on. And there were a lot of things that were in my control in terms of, you know, being induced, having to use a vacuum, her heart rate dropping, all those things, right? They're not a result of me doing anything wrong. That's just how baby was coming into this world. And so Maya is, you know, five weeks now, she's growing, she's strong, she's happy, she's beautiful, she sleeps so well, and she's just this amazing gift in our lives. And, you know, for anyone pregnant right now, if you are not someone enjoying pregnancy or you're having a hard time or you're struggling, know that when people have that annoying thing where they're like, it's so worth it, (laughs) I'm going to add to it. It is so worth it. It really and truly is. And, you know, as someone who had never had a child before, I'm like, you know what, as long as I love her as much as I love my dog, like she'll be fine. Cause I love my dog so much. I'm the kind of person that would like go bankrupt for my dog because I just love him so much. I'm head over heels for him. Um, and I do, I do love her. Don't tell Baxter, but I do love her so incredibly much. And it is a feeling that you can once again, so annoying to hear when you haven't had a child, but you know, you can't explain that love and what you would do for that small, tiny human being who has, you know, in our case, after being together for 16 years, the result and product of so much love and a beautiful life together. And we are so happy to have her. Um, so hopefully this has been helpful And once again, this is not intended to scare anyone. I share this because I want people to know that, you know, you can do lots of planning, you can make a birth plan, you can have lots of support, but at the end of the day, how baby comes into this world is just how they come. It does not mean you are a better mother or a worse mother, that you're not strong, that, you know, nothing like that, right? You are so incredibly strong for caring a human, for delivering a human, whether it's a C-section, whether you have an epidural, whether you have no pain medication, it does not matter. Your birth story does not define you. And, you know, when kids get older and as you get older, no one's going to be like, oh, how did you come into this world? Did your mom have an epidural? Did you have pain medication? You don't need to be a hero. Okay. Do whatever you need to do. It feels right for you. My only advice though, is to make sure you feel supported mentally, physically, and emotionally in this process. And, you know, to talk to people who make you feel safe. If you have friends that, you know, are instilling fears or, oh my gosh, that's going to happen. Or, oh my gosh, I had this terrible experience. Honestly, tell them to bugger off. Like you don't need that in your life. If someone is making you feel fearful or nervous, don't talk to them about pregnancy or labor delivery, like really and truly. And I had a lot of girlfriends share things, but they always shared with really good intentions. They left out things that you know, might make someone nervous and they shared things. They're like, Oh, Hey, like the little pooping thing that was really helpful. I did not know that. And I was like, Oh, baby must be coming soon. Cause I feel like I need to poop. And when it comes to this whole process, there's going to be people sharing all kinds of different things about, you know, how to, how to do this, how to be a parent. And I think there's nothing wrong with asking for suggestions and advice, but at the end of the day, no, just take the things that work for you and everything else, let it go. Because what you do as a parent is going to be based on you and your child and your family and what feels right to you. And so I've gotten lots of advice, some of it incredible, some of it incredible for other people and not for me. And that doesn't mean it's not good advice. It's just not good advice for me personally. So please don't feel like you need to do anything that I've done or your friend has done you will find your own path and that is totally normal and you're going to do a great job. And while I know birth and labor and contractions and tearing and all that stuff can be scary, know that at the end of the experience, I'm sure you will have a greater appreciation for your body and how strong and resilient it really is and all that you are actually capable of doing. It is truly incredible and like awe-inspiring. You're just going to be like, dang, I made a person and it is really, really cool that I was able to do that and strong enough to do that. And I will say the other part is that I really do think that 
working out throughout my pregnancy. If this is something you are interested in doing and wanting to do and physically able to do, I really and truly think that helped with my delivery process because working out when you're pregnant is tough mentally and emotionally and physically. And so showing up and doing that consistently, challenging myself, reminding myself I can do this really helped with my mental fortitude, which really translated to labor. I think it also helped me be strong enough to do, you know, the pushing and to maybe manage the pain. Um, it's definitely helped postpartum in terms of my recovery, being able to get back to activity. I don't mean like strength training. I'm not doing that yet. Really. I'm doing some body weight stuff. I'm doing a lot of pelvic floor work right now, but having a baby requires lifting, you know, you're going to bend up and pick up your baby. That is lifting, right? You're picking them up. You're doing all these things. You're getting groceries. You're bringing the car seat in. That is all strength related. So if you are someone who wants to work out, don't forget, I do have a fitness app. It is full of three prenatal workouts. In addition to regular gym and home programs, there are two home prenatal programs and one gym prenatal program that take you through week. I want to say five. Oh man, pregnancy brain is rough. I think it's week five to week 40. And it includes the progressions you need and modifications you need throughout your pregnancy. You know, when to cut back on certain core movements, how to work on your pelvic floor breathing, how to engage your core, what to do safely, how to minimize or eliminate coning and doming while you are pregnant and exercising and all kinds of things. So if you are interested in that, you can head to www.justget.fit forward slash stronger. Or if you are an Instagram user, you can head to my Instagram profile at justget.fit and you can access the app on Apple and Android phones by going to your Apple store or your Google play store and searching just get fit fitness for women. So if you have any questions, you can slide into my DMs pop them in there. I'd be happy to answer things. And uh, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Sending you all lots of love and hope this was something that was helpful.